1: Plus.
2: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and I'm sorry to say that Australia I think have got eight fingers on the Ashes' urn after a a very strong day in which they bowled England out and then rattled up a a, a quick fire, though at times slightly fortuitous score of around 150 and then set England a massive 383 to win and took two quick wickets in two balls including the England captain for naught first ball so, oh dear it looks as if England have a mountain to climb to survive this Test match and keep their Ashes hopes intact. Do you agree? Yep. two-week delay in Australia retaining the Ashes. Uh,
0: two weeks ago, going into Sunday's play, it looks as if Australia were going to win that heading new Test match and therefore retain the Ashes going into... The final day at Old Trafford. It looks as if Australia just about there. Seven fingers, nine fingers, <laughs> uh, eight fingers. A couple Whatever you like, to- <laughs> isn't it? Eight <laughs> fingers. I think. <laughs> Whatever you like to say. I think they're they're just about there. I thought after tea they really stamped their authority. On the game England bowled well in that afternoon session and then after tea, Smith came out and attacked. I thought it was really interesting. I don't know whether they had a talk about it during the tea until right. This is what we want to do. They really stamped their authority on the game. They attacked England, wilted Australia, scored lots and lots of runs, got into a position from which they could declare with about half an hour to go or half an hour's play left, and then knocked out two England wickets before the close. Utterly ruthless. And I think they've been ruthless during this test match, they've dominated it right from the start or pretty much from the start okay. England had them a couple down on that first day but after that they just took over and they, they've thoroughly outplayed England in this game.
2: Yeah, it was all about first innings runs wasn't it and uh, Australia yeah. capitalised on uh, their well sort of the core of, of Steve Smith's innings but you know other players made a few around him and they got to that close to 500. England had to get to say 400 uh, they didn't manage to do it today they had a, an outside chance if if and Stokes could have put together a, a healthy partnership today and seen off the second new ball, it wasn't to be. I thought, uh, actually, Johnny Bairstow played a, a loosest shot. I mean, how does Mitchell Stark try to get his wickets? Mostly by trying to swing the ball in full to a right-handed batsman, especially with the, the new ball, which he just got hold of. It was a good ball that he bowled, it did swing, but Bearstone going for the big drive, the kind of shot that you'd see him playing in the one-day one internationals, the white ball sort of domain just not the kind of shot you should be playing against the the second new ball with England in that situation if they were had you know 500 on the board fine but they were you know battling to try and compete with Australia and that's happened too many times and and Johnny Bairstow I think has has been bowled the fifth most number of times uh, by a man who's played more than 100 innings in test cricket and some of the others down that list are people like Courtney Walsh so it's not a particularly good stat to be the owner of, having been bowled so often. You know, thing is, I mean, batsmen get good balls and they're allowed to be uh, to be out to, to good deliveries. They're allowed to play bad shots as well. But I think a good player being bowled consistently shows a, a, a degree of, of weakness and actually a degree of sort of mental frailty as well because they've done nothing about it. Yeah, the other point about
0: that is that batsmen are able. The other point about that is that batsmen are allowed to keep out good balls. Yeah, you know, If you get bowled a good ball in a Test match, you are allowed to keep it out. And actually, the best players do that, don't they? They keep out the good balls. And that's what helps them survive and go on and, and flourish. I thought Stark was really good today, though. He was so much better than he was yesterday. Sprayed it all around on that third day. Today, right on it testing England, challenging them, good delivery to get rid of Stokes as well. So he was right on it. So the three Australian pace bowlers have had a real say in this game. The one bowler in the Australian attack who's not yet had a say in the match really is Nathan Lyon although of course he does allow them to bowl at the other end and rotate at the other end he's not had a say in this match so far I wonder if he's going to do so tomorrow or whether actually the seamers are going to do as much of the work uh, as Lyon but there's plenty there for Lyon at one end and then the seamers at the other It's it's going to be really tough it's going to be relentless for England as it's been throughout the game they've just been worn down almost from start to well, close to finish, and I think we're not far away from the finish
2: now. Sure. I think you're right, Stokes got a good ball, and he played you know, in typically resolute fashion, but just was beaten for a little bit of movement and pace by Stark, who has that ability to just produce wicket-taking deliveries, even though he wasn't as consistent as perhaps he hoped to be. Joss Butler got England through to... Close to 300, and there was a bit of byplay going on uh, when he was in with Joffre Archer. It was quite an interesting exchange actually with um, Matthew Wade fielding at short leg, who is Joffre Archer's teammate at the Hobart Hurricanes, and uh, one assumes they they got on okay, but it didn't sound like it from the way that that Matthew Wade was commenting. I mean, typical kind of Australian bit of sledging, bit of sort of sort of verbal abuse, but, but, but almost like um, just making slight uh, accusations about someone without actually speaking to them. So he was calling out to the keeper and slips, who were some distance away... Uh, stuff about, oh, he's, he's happy to go to the press and talk about stuff behind our backs and uh, he didn't turn up for a, a practice match, a warm-up match for Hobart and Hurricanes. Uh, can't trust him, can you, kind of idea. That sort of thing he was saying, which was just trying to get into Archer's head. And I, I don't know whether it affected him. I think it it certainly didn't make him as determined as, as maybe he could have been. And he played a couple of loose wafts and got out. It did sort of rile Archer with the ball, probably, a bit later. Uh, We can come to that. But uh, it meant that Butler was sort of running out of partners. Uh, Actually, Jack Leach tried to stay with him, but in the end, Butler, sneaking quick runs, went for a, a big shot over the top and got out.
0: Yeah, I thought Butler's shot was really disappointing. I'll tell you why. Just, just think about this for a moment. Butler had Leach at the other end. Now Leach has shown, you know, sort of admirable um, poise at the crease. You know, he's, he's dug in. He's worked really hard. Okay, he got, he did get lucky today because he was out lbw. It wasn't given out by Murray Erasmus. Butler's capable. He got himself in. He's capable of playing shots. England just got past the follow on. Okay, Australia might not have enforced it. Okay, just look at this. Could they just push that partnership for another half an hour, say? And then at the back end of the day, what do we have? England batting for half an hour under pressure. Lights on, and the light fading, the natural light fading. I just felt that Butler could have just bided his time a bit more. Trusted Leach at the other end. And the point about this was, okay, it was the last ball of the over, and he went for a big shot. So Leach would have been on strike at the other end. I know the field was up, and you think that's a scoring opportunity. But I just thought it was a really loose shot. It wasn't a percentage shot. He went for a big, booming drive and missed it. It was bold. And it just felt a bit tame. I just felt just a sort of microcosm, really, of England's sort of lack of nice, lack of ruthlessness. If they ju- just just thought about it a bit more, thought, oh, got past the follow-on, just back. I know it seems like a small thing, but... You know, imagine what that partnership would have done to Australia. 20, 30, 40, half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Eating into the day, reducing Australia's lead. And then you get to the stage where Australia have to bat a bit longer. And, you know, just the possibility of taking out the half an hour tonight, which saw England lose two wickets. Anyway, it feels like a small thing, but I just felt at the time, it just was not, it just was not ruthless batting. It was just a bit careless.
2: Okay, so we're now uh, halfway through the game in innings terms, and England have conceded a lead of just under 200. Uh, quite impressive the way England came out with the ball in the second innings, in the Australian second innings this afternoon. Ben Stokes, interestingly, gave the team talk, a sort of rabble rousing kind of call to arms, and Archer and particularly Stuart Broad really responded brilliantly. Broad getting. David Warner out almost immediately, this time LBW, to one that sort of shot along the ground, and he bowled a great length. He's bowled so well, actually, consistently in the series. Uh, He's got Warner consistently... I think it's seven times now out of eight, and uh, Warner is you can't buy a run apart from that one innings he's played in the series. He's made 79 in total, and he just he just looks a, a, a walking wicket for for Stuart Broad, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean Broad's got it right over him in this series. I saw a tweet from Simon Wilde, who's the cricket correspondent of the Sunday Times, saying this is the worst series by an Australian opener ever. To you know, someone who's played. Eight innings in a series, so the worst series by an opener ever. I suppose what happens if you have a really bad series, you don't get to eight innings, do you? you get dropped by now. But Warner is sort of one of their, their gold standard players. I mean, does he play at the Oval? I presume he does. But him, he's had a terrible time of it. Three noughts in a row, broad all over him. Uh, but they've got steve smith haven't they they've steve smith to cover over all the cracks in their batting lineup
2: yeah i i, I found out today travelling up from london on the train uh, that i sat with three australians and uh, one of them told me there's a twitter account called is steve smith still batting <laughs> and the answer throughout the series of course has been yes because During the course of this rather mad-cap, almost frenetic innings today, he passed 26 hours at the crease uh, and brought up his 670th run. And he's only played three tests as well. His lowest score of the series, 82 today, which is more than David Warner has made in the entire series, playing one extra game. And it was a sort of extraordinary, it was a madcap innings. I mean, there were movement all over the place, not only the, the big step across to, to outside off stump to cover that uh, corridor of uncertainty line, but then backing away outside leg when Archer went short, uh, going right outside off stump, tra- attempting a switch hit off, uh, the, off Jack Leach and, and it didn't come off. Uh, some brilliant sweep shots from out of the rough when Leach was bowling over the wicket, some brilliant shots, very fine down towards the fine leg boundary. I mean, trying to captain against Smith when he was moving all over the place and and manhandling the ball, swatting it, scooping it, slicing it into all sorts of places. Always, he seemed to have control. There was one shot where he tried to play a, a sort of uppercut off Archer and fell over backwards, landing flat on his back on the ground and still practising the shot, lying down. You know, absolutely bizarre. And, uh, you know, at the end, the stumps had become totally irrelevant and Stuart Broad bowled one ball as Smith moved a a sort of outside leg. He bowled one ball trying to follow him and it went so far down the leg side, bare so couldn't get anywhere near and it went straight to the boundary. You know, it was one of those, it was almost worse than the Steve Harmison delivery in, in the ashes of... 2006 it was it was one of those sort of strange you wouldn't even get it in a village game you know it was so bad, but you could sort of <laughs> see what a ball was trying to do and, and Smith just had this total control even in the, in, in the freakish way that he batted of the innings. he seemed to know exactly where the ball was going to be he, he just manipulated the fielders and the bowlers to an extent that you just have to call him a genius. I thought he was superb today. Really selfless innings as well, because towards
0: the end, he could have had his eyes on another 100. Okay, he he, he probably did in one sense, but he, he was. He realised that Australia wanted quick runs to the declaration, and he was playing all sorts of extravagant, outrageous shots. And I, I think he sort of sacrificed himself for the team. In, in the end, he was caught in the deep. I, I thought he was really selfless, uh, t- t- tough to start with, and it was a it was a bizarre, eccentric innings. And you're right. He must drive the opposition mad. Well, not just for the fact he stays in the whole time, but all these. Idiosyncrasies about his batting. You know, talk about sledging. I think you, you, it it would drive you to despair. it Would drive you to talk to him, but it doesn't seem to affect him in any way whatsoever. But yeah, excellent again from Smith. Bizarrely, his lowest score of the series, and yet you know it was another fabulous innings from him.
2: Yeah, and, and it made light of the fact that the pitch was was very difficult. In fact, let's just hear from him for, for a minute because he spoke after the game about the, the enormity of the task facing England now and the problem areas in the pitch that Australia's bowlers should be able to exploit.
3: Um, I found when I first went out to the middle, um, I felt when you bowl a good length, there was enough up and down and sideways movement and... Um, actually took, you know, my first probably 20 or 30 balls, I felt pretty vulnerable um, when they were bowling that good length. So um, Paddy hit it beautifully tonight. Um, I think that ball to root's a, a blueprint of what we need to do tomorrow first thing in the morning um, and keep hitting that... Um, I think the quicks to keep hitting that top of the stump length um, and, and let the pitch do its thing, um, mixed in, I think, with a good bouncer to play with their feet and um you know maybe get a bit of up and down as well. I made an effort to be quite aggressive against against Leach because um, I felt that the quicks were going to be hard work so it was just about trying to manipulate his field as much as possible hit as many boundaries as I could and, and build that lead as much as possible. When it is tough you want your experienced players to to step up and um yeah, I played quite a lot of cricket now, so um, you know I like to, to get in those situations and, and try and be the one to, to take the team through. And um, you know I was able to form a really good partnership with with Matty Wade, who I thought played very well today as well. Um, you know he had his plans in place to the spin; he was he was sweeping or, or lapping and manipulating the field. And then when they brought him there, he was able to defend. Um, and, and play okay, and um, and he was hitting the loose balls from the quicks, which is, which is what you want. So um, you know that partnership was was really handy for us at that stage. Um, England were really up and about um, with us four four down, um, but yeah, a good half an hour um, of batting and, and things got a bit easier for us, and we were able to to form a, a nice partnership and hopefully one that'll, that'll set us up for this game.
2: Well, there's Smith talking a little bit about the impact that Matthew Wade had had. And it was it was interesting, actually, watching that uh, duel between Archer and Wade after those verbals earlier in the day because Archer was really uh, got his gander up and bowled some quick deliveries. Wade had to be very swift to get out of the way, but he did play quite a plucky little innings in support of Smith. Archer got his uh, revenge in the end. Brilliant catch by Johnny Bairstow diving away to his left off a, a big drive, but you felt... Really, that Wade had done the damage, and he's that sort of quite annoyingly difficult, so sort of feisty character who almost seems to, to to thrive on confrontation. Yeah, and also thrives when Australia are on top as well as they were. I mean, it,
0: despite the fact England took those quick wickets, in a way it didn't re- it didn't make that much difference to the course of the game. At T, it looked as if England was still in it, but you know Australia had those a big number of runs in, in the bank, and then when they came out afterwards, they were able to sort of really take the, the game away from England and, and so it felt as if England were getting back in the game when they weren't really and that just, that's just the advantage of that massive first innings lead, you, you can take those quick wickets, unless you bowl a side out for 60 or 80, you, you've really got very little chance in that situation, it was just all about those, those, that massive score in the first innings, that, that is what has killed England in this game.
2: Mm. And um, just to sort of apply the killer blow Pat Cummins at the end of the day Calamity struck twice for England uh, Poor old Rory Burns, very unlucky But in a way underlining what Steve Smith said You bowl that awkward length Things can happen mm. on this pitch, especially with the new ball uh, You've got a leading edge trying to work it to leg Lobbed up to mid-off And then the real low point, the nadir for England Joe Root comes in uh, in the first over, which was the last thing he wanted to do, and gets an absolute peach first ball from uh, Pat Cummins. I thought, although everybody said, what a wonderful delivery, trim the off stump, you know, fantastic ball to get first up, I just think there's something about Root's method... To me, which makes him vulnerable to those sort of balls more than some batsmen. I think Smith, say, if he'd faced that ball, he would have got something on it. It might only have been an inside edge or an outside edge or a bit of pad or something, but he might have avoided it. He might have just survived it. In fact, Broad bowled him a similar ball, probably not quite as quick when Smith was was first in, it snaked along the ground. Smith just about got a bit of bat on it and survived it, and he kind of almost sank to his knees in relief that he'd managed to keep a straight bat and keep it out. Root averaging forty-one now in the last three years, whereas these his three sort of rival star batsmen in the world, Coley, Smith and Williamson, are all averaging fifty-five plus, and in Smith's case, seventy-six in the last 3 years remarkable
0: yeah yeah roots um not at the top of his game at the moment i think there's the the pressure of the summer as well the relentlessness of australians australia's bowling uh, the, the the weight of captaincy in an ashes series when you're behind when it always always feels you're struggling to to stay in touch with the opposition it batted really well in the first innings batted very well uh, headingly in the second innings but what, three ducks and three half centuries in the series no hundreds for Joe Root, I, I agree with it, that. That um, Smith would have got something behind that because he'd, he'd have been further over, wouldn't he? As well, that's the that's other thing Exactly he'd, right. He'd, he'd been further across, uh, but they. But then, no one really plays like Steve Smith. Uh, Joe
2: Root, Joe Root, and Steve Smith are completely different types of players. Yeah, uh, and uh, Steve Smith is quite remarkable. And it's funny because he looks so eccentric. ..on the field, and yet he's so calm and normal when he speaks about the game afterwards in in a very rational and and very sort of calm and composed sort of way. But, well, he's been the difference between the teams. I do admire the Australian bowlers as well. They've just got that little bit of extra spite and Menace, I think, Hazelwood and Cummins in particular, augmented by Stark, they're going to give England a torrid time tomorrow. England need another Stokes miracle, don't they? Yeah, they, need, well, they certainly need a miracle.
0: Here's a question then. Do you think England had more chance of winning the Headingley Test match going
2: into the fifth day or more chance of saving this game? I think they had more chance of, sa- of winning the Headingley Test. With eight wickets remaining on this tricky pitch... I can't see them doing it with a full day's play. No, nor me. It feels like Edgbaston
0: all over again, and it feels like Australia retaining the Ashes. They they prepared well, Australia, and they've uh, been able to put into practice some of the plans that they, they they came with. They put into put them into practice well, especially the rotation of their their pace bowlers. That's worked really well for them, and they've got their genius back, haven't they? Steve Smith, absolutely incredible series, magnificent, really, uh, fantastic t- t- to watch. I mean, 26 hours you said he's batted during the series. I'm surprised it's as little as that. It's felt like about four
2: weeks. Well, it's, it's not quite as many as he batted in the uh, ashes of 2017 in Australia. I think he's about another five days worth in that series. <laughs> but we've still got the oval to come. Exactly. <laughs> so, God help all of us. And with that, I bid you goodbye, and thanks for listening, and we'll just hope... For a seasonal monsoon from Old Trafford tomorrow, but I don't know. I don't think it's happening. Forecast is good for Old Trafford. Uh,
0: The miracle of Old Trafford. We'll be talking about it tomorrow, or perhaps we won't. Goodbye for now.
1: 18 plus.